0: We are second Sunday into our series on Proverbs, and uh, my first question that I want to ask, uh, we started last week with a kind of a speed introduction or overview of the entire book of Proverbs. I want to ask the question, are you a wise person? Are you, as you examine, consider your life, are you a wise individual? Is your life marked by wisdom? James, who is the brother of Jesus in the New Testament, says this about wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. I love that verse. Who is wise and understanding among you? If you are one of those people, you could look at your life and See good life by deeds done in humility, not done in pride as a way to point people to yourself, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. If you weren't here last week, uh, a quick summary is wisdom is really seen, not necessarily heard. Wisdom can be seen in the choices that we make. If we are making choices that are godly and reflect much of God then our life would be deemed that we are a wise person because we're living in wisdom. So examine the choices that you are making. And if you are making godly decisions, godly choices, then hakma, which is the Hebrew word for wisdom, your life would be marked by wisdom. I love Proverbs because uh, there's a lot of parallels in Proverbs, a lot of metaphors in Proverbs. And specifically, in Proverbs chapter one through nine, that's the first half of the book, uh, there's two women, and each of these two women invite us to have a relationship with her. One woman is called Woman Wisdom. And her story is really told uh, really throughout chapters one through nine, but we introduce her she gives a speech and then throws a banquet in chapter eight and chapter nine. And woman wisdom invites us to live a life that's marked by wisdom. But contrasting woman wisdom is another woman, and her name is woman folly. So wisdom throughout really Proverbs, but specifically chapters 1 through 9, a woman is the personification of wisdom. Now, if you're a woman here, you're like, yes, of course. Why wouldn't we be personified as wisdom? I agree. I won't fight you on that. But there's two women, woman wisdom and woman folly. And the question really that Proverbs asks is, who will you have a relationship with? Will you have a relationship with woman wisdom or will you have a relationship with woman folly? Wisdom and folly, these two women, invite one individual to a relationship and the person that gets invited is known as the simple one or the simpleton. And to be simple in Proverbs is you're not yet formed. You're neither wise or you're neither a fool. You're just immature. You're in that stage of growing, but you're in a very crucial stage because you need to make a decision: will I go the way of wisdom or will I go the way of folly? Now, this morning, I'm going to focus uh, on wisdom, uh, where we get wisdom, the benefits of wisdom, and I thought it would be helpful uh, to paint a picture of what does a wise person practically look like. How could you actually examine your life and look at your life? What would be some of the characteristics of A wise life. But when we see wisdom, it's usually pitted against folly. And so I thought it would be helpful just to at least make a disclaimer. In Proverbs, uh, the life, if you have folly in your life, that doesn't necessarily mean that folly is equal to sin. And I think sometimes when we think of folly, we automatically assume that that person's a sinner who's sinning. And folly is often just people who do dumb things. There is a category in life for the idiotic. It wasn't necessarily evil or sinful, it was just dumb. When I was thinking about an example, I was was sad because I thought of so many examples in my own life that I had to pick and choose which one would be best. They weren't evil, they weren't (laughs) sinful, they were just dumb, they were stupid, they were really bad decisions. Remember I was in Florida with my, uh, uh, my older brother This was when I was 20. And we got the great idea. We were in a boat. We were doing some water skiing. And it just seemed like a good idea at the time. What would happen if we jumped out of the boat at roughly 30 knots, which is roughly 35 miles an hour? Water is soft. We thought we'd just kind of skip along the water and it would be great. So we just thought it would be fun. So we counted to three. He went to the left. I went to the right. That wasn't sinful. That wasn't evil. It was just stupid. I mean, we could have broken our necks. It was just a ridiculously dumb decision. I love taking hot showers. Like, I love hot showers. I will sit in the shower sometimes for 20, 30 minutes. Kyle is, are you done? No, not yet. <laughs> not yet. I remember in college, um, we lived, I lived in a dorm. And um, my roommate and I, we were both swimmers, and maybe it's a swimming thing, but we just loved hot showers. And so we decided in the dorm to basically turn on all of the water faucets in the, in the bathroom, which there was about six, and then turn on all of the showers, which there was about six. There's only two of us in there. We closed the door so no one else could get in. Uh, and then we put towels to make sure that none of the water would drain. We wanted as much hot water as we could, and we wanted as much steam, and we wanted to create a sauna-slash-whirlpool. Now, that was not sinful or evil, It was just dumb. We did it for about an hour and a half, and the hot water eventually ran out. And so we're in our room, and some person is pounding at her door, screaming. And so I opened the door, and I just had a towel on. And uh, she was like, was that you just in the shower? And I was like, I don't know. Why? And she said, the entire fifth floor has just flooded. And We, after an hour of clogging up all of the drains so no water could go, it found a way to go somewhere, and it went down to the fifth floor. Now, the funny thing about this is, about a year later, I met this woman uh, at a Campus Crusade ministry event, and she was becoming good friends, who at the time was my girlfriend, who became my wife, and she she looked at me as if like, why are you here? You're that shower guy who flooded the entire fifth floor. Again, two silly examples, but... Folly is not always sinful, but much of our sin has foundations in folly. And so if we don't change our idiotic, dumb things that we do, it often leads to a hardness of heart where folly does become very sinful. We have a choice. Choose the way of wisdom or choose the way of folly. I love metaphors, and one of the metaphors that Proverbs uses is there's a way there's a path or there's a road, all synonymous with you must make a decision which way, which path, which road will you actually walk on. Proverbs twelve twenty-eight: in the way of righteousness, there is life. In the way, in the way of righteousness, there is life. Along that path is immortality. I love that proverb. In the way of righteousness, there's life. Along the path, that path, is immortality, or Proverbs 15, 24. The path of life leads upward for the wise to keep him from going down to the grave. Jesus uses this metaphor. There's a wide gate, wide road. It's very populated. A lot of people are on that road, but it's a road that leads to destruction. Fools, in their folly, live and walk on that path. But the way of the wise, Jesus says, it's a very narrow gate. It's a very small road. There's not many people who find it. But it is a path, it is a road that leads to life. So this metaphor of a path, a way, or a road, I wanted to give you some pictures and ask you which metaphor actually best represents your life today, right now. Because it's hard to make a decision to move forward And make some necessary changes in my life if I actually don't know my origins, meaning where I am right now. So this is a high school track. Does your life resemble, reflect, that of a high school track, meaning you're just going around in circles. You're not going anywhere. Week to week, month to month, year to year, you're just walking in a big circle, not growing, not maturing. You're moving but you continue to do the same things and see the same things because you're just walking life in a circle. LA has, if you've ever been to LA, I've only been there a couple times, but their highway system is phenomenal. Like if GPS, I I don't know how people do it, but this is just one aerial shot of a highway, crossroads, byways, exit ramps uh, in LA. And when I saw that, I was like, wow, what a great metaphor for what many people's life actually looks like. They're going every which way, often marked by confusion, exit ramps, on ramps, off ramps, getting back, going, circling around because you got off the wrong road, so you're going to try this exit. So does your life not maybe, the metaphor doesn't fit for a high school track, it actually more resembles, you're just going every which way, trying to figure out, I'll try this, I'll try this, maybe over here, maybe over here came across this picture of an intersection. This is an intersection by on steroids. So, you would see this intersection and I just picture the person who's standing there looking at this intersection, which way do I go? I have no idea. It's you have all these choices in front of you and you're not choosing because you're paralyzed. Why with so much that's in front of you. And so your life is actually not going anywhere. It's more marked by paralysis because as you look around you, you're overwhelmed with everything. It's one big choice, and so you choose nothing. And you just stand there looking at, I wonder which, if I go there, what will happen if I go there? The last picture, and I hope this is the metaphor or the picture that all of us would say, that's where I want to go. This is the best picture I could find of a one lane, one road, one way road. No exit ramps. This is picture to me at least is a metaphor of a man or a woman who knows clearly the way that they are walking and they are not detoured or derailed or distracted by on ramps, exit ramps and signs. It's just a life that is marked by I know who I am, I know the God that I'm following. And I know the choices, decisions that I need to make to reflect the God that I love. This is the metaphor that I hope, as you leave here today, I don't want to be a high school track. I don't want to be an LA highway system. I don't want to be an intersection with 100 options. I want to walk one way, one road, one path. The beauty of Proverbs is it forces you to choose which way, which road, which path will you go. Will you walk with woman wisdom, or will you walk with woman folly? Let me uh, pray, and I want to jump into the source of wisdom, the benefits of wisdom, and then paint a picture of who is wise. So Father God, I just ask that you would give us wisdom. God, you know every single heart that is in this place today. You know fears and struggles, anxieties and worries. God, these pictures of of a track and a highway system and an intersection. God, some of our lives actually reflect one of those three. But God, today I pray that a decision by all of us would get made to walk with wisdom, not to choose folly, but to walk in the way of wisdom. So God, I pray you would give us hearts to hear from you. God, that you would give us minds to understand what you'd have to say to us in this place. And by your grace, I ask that you'd give each of us courage to actually say yes to you today, to respond and not be content leaving here ready to live the same way we just came, we did the last week. So God, please be gracious to us, be generous with your voice, and open our minds and hearts to hear and see from you. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Where does wisdom come from? There are a lot of people who are searching for wisdom. They're looking for wisdom. And as I considered where some typical places people look, certainly in philosophy, ancient, modern, postmodern, they study. They want to know the philosophy, the search for truth, and hope that if they find it, they'll find wisdom. Some people search in religions. And not just one religion. I've met people who've actually said, I'm searching all of them. I want to find wisdom and I'll know when I see it, but I'm going to search from Christianity to Hinduism to Buddhism to Muslim. Then there's people who I can c- kind of consider in the, uh, uh, the spiritualism camp. They're not religious because that's faux pas, but I'm spiritual. I'm not a Christian, but I'm spiritual. I'm mystical. I'm Oprah. I love to be spiritual, <laughs> but don't tag me or tie me down to one thing. I will search for wisdom in my spiritualism. Then there's activism. If you just find that one thing that you could give yourself to, you see the wisdom in certain jump on board with this organization or this group over here. And then I think there's actually people who think that they'll find wisdom in just indifference. I don't need anyone else to ever tell me the way of wisdom. I'll go my own way. I will have no one speak into my life. I'll have no relationships that are actually meaningful with anyone. If you follow the path, road of philosophy, religion, spiritualism, activism, individualism, all those roads, you might actually pick up some knowledge, but knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. It's one thing to know something. It's another thing to live something. That's wisdom. Proverbs 2.6. I love this verse. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. The source of wisdom is God. I can't just find it. I have to go to God and ask, will you give me wisdom? I'm not going to find wisdom in books and study and all that kind of stuff. I'll learn, I'll grow, but the source of wisdom, Proverbs teaches, the Lord gives wisdom. Solomon I love Solomon. He had his issues. We're going to actually get into his issues next week when we talk about fear. But Solomon got his wisdom from God. 1 Kings chapter 4, start at verse 29. God gave Solomon wisdom. That was the source of his wisdom. And very great insight and breadth of understanding, as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men in the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. Israel, where they lived in their culture and community, there was two camps that had phenomenal wisdom coming from them, the ancient East and the folks from Egypt. They were known as the wisest people on the planet. That's why in 1 Kings, it says Solomon trumped them. He was wiser than those in the East and wiser than those in Egypt. These guys actually get called out by name. He was wiser than any other man, including Ethan, the Ezurite. Poor Ethan. He thought much of himself, thought he had some wisdom, but Solomon had more. Wiser than Heman. It's not He-man, not from the 80s cartoon. Just don't want anyone to be confused. Calco, Darda, the sons of Mahol, and his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered a thousand and five. Here's a challenge for you. Think of one proverb that you'll make up, original to you before you leave here today. I've been thinking of it all week. I haven't got one. This man had 3,000 proverbs, and not only 3,000 proverbs, a thousand songs plus five. That is phenomenal. If you're a musician or an artist and ever tried to compose a song, Man, if you can just get one or two, that's phenomenal. A thousand plus, that's ridiculous. Three thousand proverbs, a thousand plus songs. If you want wisdom, you must come to the one who gives wisdom. I love James again, a brother of Jesus, says this in James chapter 1, his letter in the New Testament. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. I love this picture of with, he gives generously to all who ask without finding fault, meaning God doesn't look at your life and say, you're just a total fool. Get your life together, and then I will give you some wisdom. It just takes a request, and it takes a humble man, a humble woman, to come to God asking for that which you do not have, knowing that's what you need more than anything. The source of wisdom is God, is there a benefit to wisdom if God gives it generously? Then is there any benefit to my life of actually choosing the path, the way, the road, choosing a relationship with woman wisdom? Number one, you will be blessed of God, your life would be marked by blessing if you choose the way of wisdom, ask God, get wisdom. Your life would be marked as one as approved of God. That's what blessing of God means, that you are approved of God. God's favor is upon you. I love Proverbs 3. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. And again, wisdom personified as a woman. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. If you're a woman and thought that often referred to you, it's actually talking about wisdom. Okay? She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her, and those who lay hold of her will be blessed. I won't even go through all of the benefits just in those four or five verses, but if you receive the wisdom that God desires to give you, you would be blessed. Second thing, your life would be covered, meaning your life would be marked by not only blessing, but protection of God. Proverbs 4, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Don't go off the course. Don't go off this path. Stay the course with wisdom. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. If you love her, she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. It will cost you. It will cost you. All you have but get understanding. You'll be blessed of God. You will be protected of God. And the last benefit, and it's not the last. There's a long list of benefits, but I like this one. You'll have life, and life in its most fullest sense of the word of life. Understanding meaning and purpose, significance and value and worth, both now and eternally, you will have life. There is hope for you. I love Proverbs 24, 14. Know also that wisdom, it is sweet to your soul. If you find it, there is a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Love it. Sweet to your soul. A great question that is there anything in your life right now that is just sweet to your soul? It enriches you. It brings joy, satisfaction, contentment, peace. Is it sweet to the very essence of who you are? That's a benefit of wisdom. Source of wisdom is God. If you ask, he will give to all without finding fault. The benefit of wisdom, blessing, covering, and life in its most fullest sense. So if God gives and there's blessing in it, what does a wise person actually look like? We know from what James said earlier, just look at someone's life. If it's marked by godly decisions, you see wisdom. But what I love about Proverbs is the practicality of Proverbs of this is wisdom. And he paints a picture. I'm going to give you six. Okay, this is not an exhaustive list. It was actually hard narrowing down a list of about 25 things down to just a few. So this is not exhaustive. But I thought these would be beneficial to us as a community. Number one, this is a, what a wise person looks like. A portrait, a painting of a wise person. Number one, a wise man is always learning. A wise person is a learner. They're listening, they're responding to instruction or rebuke, and they're very observant. That's what it means to be a learner. Proverbs 9.9, 9, instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. A wise man, Proverbs teaches, is a learner. So I want to ask the question, what are you learning right now? As you consider what's going on in your life? What are you learning right now? And I'm not just saying, open the category to just life. What are you learning right now about life, about God, about yourself, about other people, the world around you? What are you learning? If you were to have a very honest moment, you might actually say, well, if you were to ask me what I'm watching, I could give you an answer, but I don't have an answer for what I'm learning. There's a lot of us who could say, well, I'm watching this. And watching doesn't necessarily equate to learning. Watching is usually entertainment. I could tell you everything I'm watching, everything that I'm consuming and taking in for my entertainment, but that's not learning. PBS, it's helpful, but that's not the kind of learning I think Proverbs and Solomon specifically has in mind. A wise man, a wise woman is a learner. They're always learning. So practically, these are hopefully some helpful things of how you can grow, how you can be one who learns. And a learner, first, is a great listener. Okay, Proverbs says this, 22, verse 17, 18. "'Pay attention and listen to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach, for it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips.'" I see this picture of someone who is just listening. They're soaking it all in. And when it comes time for them to speak, wisdom comes out. When it comes time for them to choose, they choose wisely. Why? Because they're listening. They're soaking in from those who have wisdom. Ask yourself the question, am I really a good listener? There's a lot of people who just like to talk, me being one, A lot of people who just like to talk, but they don't really care about listening to what others have to say. They just want to make their opinions known, and then they bail. I said what I came to say. I'm leaving this conversation so I can bless them with my presence, say what I need to say, and move on. You know if you're a good listener if you ask good questions. That's how you know if you're a good listener. It's not someone who just sits there mindlessly and nods their head and throws in, "Uh uh-huh, Okay, yes, just to let the person talking know you're listening. That's not listening. A good listener asks great questions. So what questions are you asking? And why I put in what questions are you asking? You ask questions because you don't have answers and you want to learn. Not just about Bible, but about life. There's such great joy when you meet someone who's different from you, has a different background has different training, experience, or job, ask them questions. Why? Because you don't know and you want to learn. I love asking questions. I know sometimes some of you are thinking, well, your questions annoy us. Well, bear with me and help me to learn. You are a good listener if you are asking good questions. And if you find yourself not asking questions, it's probably a good chance you're not a good learner. And really behind that is an attitude of, I've got nothing to learn from you, so I won't even bother to ask. That is pride. For you to make a judgment statement on someone and say, you've got nothing for me, so I will ask nothing of you. We can learn from one another. All of us can learn from one another. If you'd be wise, be a great listener, but you have to also be, obviously, a discerning listener just because someone said it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Proverbs makes very clear that we need to have a discerning heart and a discerning mind and a discerning ear. Just because some dude wrote it down in his blog doesn't necessarily make a gospel truth. So read and listen and study, but be discerning as to what is actually coming in. Proverbs 19 verse 20, listen to advice and accept instruction. And in the end, You will be wise. If you want to gain wisdom and be wise, you have to be a learner. Okay, and the second thing I put, learners also respond to what's being said, specifically when people rebuke you. So you're not only taking in and listening to what people are saying, but you actually respond to what people say. So a question, how do you respond when someone corrects you? How do you respond when someone rebukes you? I know the first answer most of us would say is, well, it totally depends. Totally depends on who it is, how they said it, when they said it, why they said it, if I like them, if I didn't like them. We get ourselves in the tizzy of that we don't hear anything, what anyone has to say, because our only grid is, who are you and why are you saying this? That we miss what's actually being said. So rather than just filter through when someone corrects or rebukes you, rather than jump to the mode of defensiveness of, well, you don't care, you don't know, I don't like you, your hair's funny, you're too tall, you're too short, you've not been nice to me in the past. Rather than just jump to that, a wise man, wise woman who is a learner will respond, will heed a correction or a rebuke. I love actually Proverbs says, those who, it's Proverbs 9, 8, do not rebuke a mocker, he'll hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. A wise person who is a learner knows how to respond to correction and rebuke. So much so that it's not defensiveness, and you go through this category of, you don't know me, you don't understand, I don't like you, whatever. It's, I love that you're actually speaking into my life or correcting me. I am not by any means suggesting that it's easy to be corrected. I've been corrected a lot. I've been rebuked a lot. Sometimes I've done it really poor. And I came back swinging, not physically, but verbally usually. But there have been times where wisdom won. (laughs) And I said, thank you. Thanks for sharing and speaking into my blind spots. And by the way, if you didn't know that, you have blind spots. We all do. We don't know we have them. That's why they're called blind spots. We need people to speak into, correct, or rebuke us at times. Proverbs 25, 12, like an earring of gold, Or an ornament of fine gold is a wise man's rebuke to a listening ear. You take a wise man's rebuke, you marry it to a listening ear, and that is profitable as gold, good as gold. A wise man's rebuke, married to, coupled with, in relationship with a listening ear, and it is as good as gold. Wise man is a learner. Listening, responding to rebuke, And I think a learner also is very observant, very observant of what is happening, what is going on with you and around you. Now, you have to be careful when you start watching other people. You don't do so with a eye of judgment or condemnation where you become now the folly judge, folly, folly, stupidity, where that's your job to walk around condemning people. But a wise man, a wise woman is very observant. I love this proverb, 24, verse 24 through 30. I went past the field of the sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw. He sees this sluggard, a.k.a. a very lazy man, whose life was in ruins. He observed this, not judged it, not condemned it, observed this, and then he applied to his heart his life. And he came up with a proverb, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. That's what he learned when he saw the lazy sluggard. There wasn't condemnation, but he observed, and then he applied. I spent a lot of time on that one right there. I'm going to speed through the next five, but I felt it was important to walk through. If you're going to be a wise man, a wise woman, you will be one who is constantly learning. Listening, asking questions, responding to rebuke, observing what's happening in life around you. Second, a wise man, a wise woman, is one who is self-controlled. If you have self-control in your life, Proverbs teaches that you are actually a wise man or a wise woman. Proverbs 25, 16, what a great proverb. If you find honey, eat just enough. Too much of it, you will vomit. What a great, simple, but instructive proverb. If you find honey, just enough. Because if you have more than enough, if you do not demonstrate self-control, you will begin puking up that what you thought was helpful to you. Usually self-control, specifically in Proverbs, talks a lot about self-control in areas of sex and purity. A lot of self-control in areas of wealth and money but two specific areas where it talks about a wise man, wise woman being self-controlled is in your speech and in, in your anger. Proverbs 10, 19, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. When you find yourself in a conversation and there's one person who is dominating the conversation, it's a good chance that something sinful is going on. Not always, but when you just find that person who's just talking and talking and talking and talking, never asking you any questions, never seeking your advice, your counsel, your wisdom. When words are many, there's no self-control. Sin is usually present. So I wanted to ask the question, how are your words? Okay, not your language. I think we get the two confused. Meaning, I'm just not going to swear, I'm not going to drop this bomb, or I'm not going to say this word, and somehow I'm doing good. As long as I don't cuss and swear and drop that bomb, I'm in a good place. No, you're not. Proverbs says, the man who holds his words or holds his tongue, that is wisdom. So it's not necessarily that you just don't swear, it's what actually words are coming out of your mouth and what words are not coming out of your mouth. How often has your words gotten you in trouble? It's not what you did. It's not that you just like randomly walked up to someone and kicked them or punched them. But it's your words that led to the source of, you may have wanted to do that and you had the wisdom to restrain yourself, but you did not have the wisdom to restrain your mouth, your words. I would venture to say about 85% of conflict, relationally speaking, could be completely avoided if we demonstrated wisdom and self-control and just not saying the first thing that came to our mind? If you're married, would your marriage look any different if you demonstrated wisdom and self-control over your words to your spouse? If you, any other relationship, a dating, boyfriend, girlfriend, friend, co-worker, neighbor, would those relationships look different if you demonstrated self-control not in what you said, but even in what you didn't say. Bless you. Self-control over our words, and then finish up with this one. Self-control uh, in our anger. Thinking about the, the World Cup, I don't know if anyone remembered this. In 2006, uh, there was the French soccer player. Uh, his name was Zedabim something. And, um, and uh, we'll just call him Z for purposes of this story. Thank you. Hadim has, yep. If you saw the game, he was their star soccer player. He was the man. I mean, he was was great. But in this moment, he's got someone from the other team yakking in his ear. We don't know what he said, but someone actually said, he said something about his mom and sister. And so he begins to walk away. He turns around and does a full body headbutt into this man's chest. And the crowd did not applaud like, Oh, well done. What a great soccer move. They were speechless, like, how foolish you are. You just got kicked out of the game, and his team went on to lose. Full vent. He gave full vent to his anger. No self-control. Proverbs says this, 29.11, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. You ever lost control? You ever just lose it? Your anger, your temper, it didn't just flare, it just, it broke. And you were not the only one who, it hurts someone else. If you do not control your anger, your temper, people will get hurt. Anger is not a sinful thing. But it says, in your anger, do not sin. To those who do not control or have self control over their anger, they choose the path, the road, the way of folly. Because they just lose it. Someone says something, I'll throw my head into your chest. Interesting, everyone usually picks on cars. You ever lose it in your car? Typical road rage. Someone cuts you off. It might not be in your car, it might be in your home, it might be somewhere else. Next time you lose it. Like you're starting, your anger's just starting to flare. Find a mirror and look at yourself, and you'll realize how foolish you look. That's why we have rearview mirrors. It's not to see cars behind us. It's to see ourselves and how idiotic we look when we are flaring up at the car in front of us who didn't even know that they did that, maybe. Self-control. A wise man, a wise woman has, as a learner, has incredible self-control, specifically when it comes to your words, and when it comes to anger. The third one, a wise man, a wise woman, is a hard worker. If you will be wise, you will work hard. The way of the lazy man, the lazy woman, is not the way of wisdom. Proverbs 6. I love, I love Proverbs. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. Just look at the ant. Observe him, watch him. He's small, but he's got wisdom. It has no commander, no overseer, ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer, gathers its food at harvest. The question How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. Are you A lazy person. I know all of us want to say, well, of course not. I'm not lazy. Just be honest with yourself. Are you lazy? It's so funny. People typically think that the remote control created a community and generation of laziness, but in 40s and 50s is when laziness really started to creep in when they invented the TV. We just sit in front of that thing, put it on its pedestal, And we just watch, sit on our lazy boy. There's actually a chair named Lazy Boy. Interesting, just thought of that. Someone think of a proverb out of that before you leave. Are you a lazy individual? Proverbs 26, 15, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. Just this person just sitting I I can't even lift my hand up. It's just too much work. That chip and salsa, put a little guac, it's just too heavy. (laughs) The wise man, wise woman, you will find them working hard, okay? And not just at certain tasks, but their life is marked by someone who is a hard worker, relationally, physically, spiritually, vocationally. Wisdom is seen in one who works hard, But folly is seen in the fool who is idle, who is lazy. I wrote it down like this because it was, there's a difference of working hard as a way just to give glory to God and work hard as to please God, not men. But there's also another way to be a hard worker so that men will praise you. Work hard to glorify God in what you do. Do not work hard in hopes of bringing glory to yourself in what you do there's a difference. Work hard, very hard, relationally, spiritually, at your job. Show up early, stay late. Study, learn, be a disciplined person, work hard. Not so people look at you and be like, wow, you're amazing. You're such a hard worker. I love you. But that you would be able to say, God, I want to honor you in wisdom by being one who works hard. Number four, A wise man is a winner of souls. It's one of my favorite verses in Proverbs, chapter, chapter 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Be a soul winner. If you would walk the way, the path, the road of wisdom, you would be one who helps introduce other people to God. Be a vessel for being one who helps people find God, introduces people to God. Don't find yourself in the endless conversations of what game was played and his batting average and this and that and where you shop and what movie did you see. A wise person, I love that proverb. He who wins souls is wise. Genesis means to begin. I love the name of our church because I'm convinced there's a culture around us of people who need to be invited to begin a right relationship with God. And maybe they began it years ago, and this could be the place where they begin again afresh, anew, with a community that would love and care. Be a soul winner. Invite people into your life. Invite people into your community, this community, your life group community. Invite other people to the the Christian friends, the wise friends that you have, that their soul might be one. Number five, a wise man chooses his or her friends very carefully. If you are a wise person, Proverbs teaches, your friends will reflect that. Proverbs 13, verse 20, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. As you consider the company that you're keeping right now, the very people you've surrounded yourself with, are they wise people or are they foolish? Or are they simple ones, immature, unformed? And by the way, just to be clear, foolish means that they've denied God. They, in their heart, oppose God. That's what it means to be a fool. As you consider the company you are keeping right now, is there wise people around you? If there's not, you will not be wise. They will rub whoever you hang out with, spend time with, they rub off on you. Either wisdom will begin to rub off on you or folly will begin to rub off on you. How do you know if your friend is wise? Proverbs 27 verse 5 and 6 answers this question. Better is... Open rebuke, then hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. There are people maybe in your life who are more, you're more concerned about surrounding yourself with people who will multiply kisses for you, who will just tell you what you want to hear, tell you how great you are, how beautiful you are, how whatever, whatever. Just kisses after kisses after kisses. But Proverbs says, hidden love, a rebuke. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. So as I consider wise friends, do you have anyone in your life who actually is rebuking you? If you don't, then there's probably not too many people in your circle who have wisdom because they just don't know what to say to you. They might not know how, or they might not just know what to say, or they're too scared of you. That's folly. Wisdom, wise friends, is seen in people who love you enough to say what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. A wise man chooses his or her friends carefully. This is why we we do life groups at Genesis. It's one thing for us to have our gathering here and learn and grow and be challenged, But we do life groups, and we call them life groups, so that we can do life with others. Challenge, bless, encourage, serve, learn, ask questions. That's why we do life groups. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harms. Last one. A wise man or a wise woman is humble. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. 15.33, the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, and humility comes before honor, the honor of being wise. Are you humble? Now, if you said yes, then we'd all be like, well, not really. So how do you know if you're really genuinely humble? Those wise friends that you have, ask them. Most of us might not have a circle of wisdom around us to go to them and say, do you see humility in me or do you see pride? I can't determine whether I am a humble man. I need other men in my life. I need my wife in my life. Asking them that question, do you see humility or do you see pride? That's how I will know if I am a humble man, if I even have the humility to ask that question. By the way, I think people typically think of humility as someone who just hates themselves, self-loathing, and people who comment about themselves, oh, I'm, I'm an idiot and I'm this and they degrade themselves, all masked in, that's, that's humility. That's actually masked in pride. A humble man is one who just doesn't really think much about himself. And I don't mean they think less of themselves. They're just not thinking about themselves. That's humility. I'm not concerned and so worried about what people think about me and what they don't think about me. I'm not concerned about what they're going to do and not going to do and what they're doing for me or not doing for me. I'm just not thinking about me that much. Wisdom, a humble man, uh, is a wise man. And if you want to grow in humility, and if you want not to be at the, the center of your universe, the only way to do that is pray. And it takes a humble man to pray. And ask God, would you increase my view, my picture, my understanding of who you are? How great, how good, how holy, how generous, faithful, righteous, merciful, compassionate you are. God, show me yourself. And when you actually catch a glimpse of God, you realize something phenomenal. You're not Him. And then you grow in humility because a prideful man thinks he's the center of not just his world, but everyone's world. Of course, everyone's thinking about me as much as I think about me. Why wouldn't they? It's me that's pride. A humble man just doesn't think much of himself. A humble man is consumed with the greatness of God and the reality that I am not him. I asked this question in the beginning, but are you wise? Is your marked, life marked, characterized by wisdom? James 3, verse 13, one more time. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by his deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. The benefits of wisdom are innumerable to mention. And a wise man is a learner. He is self-controlled, a hard worker, a winner of souls, has wise friends that he surrounded himself with In his life, humility. If you would choose to path the road the way of wisdom, these are a picture or a portrait of what your life would resemble. If you lack wisdom today, spend some time right now before you leave asking the one who gives generously, God, would you grant me the wisdom to make the right decisions and choices that reflect godliness, not just my good ideas, but godliness. If you're at all confused or have questions about the benefits of wisdom in your life, I can only encourage you and exhort you and challenge you. Begin walking the road, the path, the way of wisdom and see what difference in your life it will make. And if you need a further picture of a wise person, look to Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 and 24, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. You want to see perfect wisdom, look to Jesus and walk with Jesus. If you've already began a relationship with Jesus, know that you are walking in relationship with wisdom perfected. The company you keep with him, he will rub his wisdom off on you. Begin to rub it off on others. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, start today. Confess Jesus to be God. That's who he claimed to be. Came to us to love us, to redeem us, to forgive us of all of our sins. That those who would call upon his name, would be forgiven and have a reconciled relationship with God both now and forever. If you have never made a decision to begin a relationship with the wisdom of God, His name is Jesus. As we would get ready to worship and celebrate Jesus, His birth, His death, His resurrection. If you've not made that decision, do it now. Ask Jesus to come into your life, the wisdom of God, the forgiver of sins. Father God, I give you thanks that you are generous. So generous to give wisdom to those who would ask. Jesus, I pray that every single one of us that's here in this space today would be calling out to you for wisdom. God, I thank you that you give generously to all without finding fault but you give generously. So God, please give us wisdom. And God, I give thanks that Jesus came, the wisdom of God, that we know what wisdom looks like. Proverbs teaches it, speaks to it, but Jesus lived it. Jesus, to those who've made a decision to walk with you and are in relationship with you, I pray that we would grow, we would learn, we would be self-controlled, we would be ones who work hard. God, please, Jesus, your wisdom rub off on us so that we would live very wise. And if there's anyone here, Jesus, that's not made a decision to begin a relationship with you, I pray that their prayer right now would just be to call out to you, Jesus, confess you as God, and make a decision to start walking with you the wisdom of God.